This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden rent costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. And welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Big week this week, J. Doc. We talked about it just a week ago. Uh, talked about a very special guest and a very special broadcast that we're going to do for the full hour of the Labor and Energy Show. Yeah, Joe, we've got a fantastic show today. We're here at Steamfitters Local 420 uh, with Jimmy Snell. And, and uh, you know, we, like you mentioned, we, we, we uh, have a, a, a special guest. We're on location. We're going to do a full hour on the broadcast. We're going to bring in George Pegram, uh, Plumbers Local 690, also towards the end of the broadcast. And um, But we have so much to talk about. And this is a, a guest that's come in from uh, Pittsburgh. And, and we're glad to have him. Dave Calhan, President. Marcellus Shell Coalition. Dave, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine today. It's great to meet you. Great to be with you today. Well, welcome to our neck of the woods here. <laughs> uh, it, it's great to have you. And and uh, and certainly, if you would, um, just for our listeners, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, what the Marcellus Shell Coalition is. Sure. Uh, again, I'm Dave Callahan, president of Marcella Shale Coalition. We're a statewide trade association. We have members from all over the country, uh, most of them within the Appalachian region. We represent the whole value chain of the natural gas industry, from producers, midstream pipeline companies, some downstream companies, and then a whole host of entities that provide goods and services to the industry. And I'm proud to say uh, our, some of our newest members are the Pennsylvania Pipe Trades, and it wouldn't have been possible without the support of Mr. Snell here beside me. Well, I, and that's a, that's a big deal, Jimmy. Uh, you know, it's a, a, a nice... Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, let me first first start off by saying once again, uh, Joe Doc and, and Krause, thanks for giving us the platform, you know, a, as usual. Uh, we also want to welcome Dave to our uh, our home here, Steamfitters <laughs> Local 420. We appreciate you uh, coming all the way out here. Um, like Dave just mentioned, the Pennsylvania Pipe Trades, which uh, Steamfitters Local 420 is a part of, right? Um, we now are uh, official members. Uh, which is a great thing of the Marcella Shale Coalition. Uh, Pennsylvania pipe trades consist of steam fitters, plumbers, 
and sprinkler fitters all within the state of Pennsylvania. So, you know, uh, and, and the president of the Pennsylvania Pipe Trades is my counterpart out in Pittsburgh, Kenny Broadbent. So, um, you know, Kenny uh, talked to a few of us uh, uh, business managers in the pipe trades and, and thought it would be a great idea to, to strengthen this relationship with Dave and, and the coalition. And it was a no-brainer. You know, quite honest, and and it's a big deal for us. And and Dave, talk about what that that brings to well, the table. It was a big deal for us as well. You know, we're so aligned on so many issues in the energy world, and we had a couple of great conversations out in Harrisburg. And I'm just so pleased that they're they're a part of the organization. You know, we represent 116 members right now. It's growing all the time. But I can't say enough about the strong relationship with labor. I worked in the industry for, I've done some advocacy work in the industry for upwards of 30 years, but I worked directly in the unconventional industry uh, on the production end, on the midstream end, and I got to see it with my own two eyes. Um, the great work that the trades are doing to help build these facilities, build the infrastructure that's, that's desperately needed to deliver natural gas, process and fractionate natural gas liquids. And I've seen the safety record. I've seen it all from soup to nuts. I can't say enough about the quality of work and the great, great cooperation on the public policy issues with the trades as well. You know, it's interesting about that. We've, we've had conversations about um, how we do it here in the United States. And one of the areas where uh, people keep talking where they cannot compete with us overseas is with labor, with our workers, uh, with what we do every day on the job, with our efficiency, with our training. And uh, so that's a, that, that's a great deal. And I mean, I'll, I'll add safety to that. You can't you can't overlook, you know, if you don't have a safe work environment, you're not going to be productive. You've got to make sure the folks go home safely at the end of each day. And the trades have been great in promoting that as well. Yeah, and, and that's what we taught or we teach uh, in our apprenticeships, you know, from day one. It's all about safety, productivity, and, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say the Philadelphia building trades are the tops in, in the country, but the reality is you can ask anybody throughout the country. Oh, just tell ask, you. Look at what happened during COVID. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other issue. And, and I mean, we, uh, uh, you know, the, the Philadelphia building trade set the standard there. Nationally. Know, during, yeah, exactly. Without exactly. Here's so. what I don't understand. I don't understand why everybody doesn't get what you just said, Dave. <laughs> that's why you have this radio show. And that's right? why you give us the platform yes. to get it out there. No, no question about it. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's part of it. You know, it, it's part of what we do. No question. Um, but let's let's kind of expand it a little bit because um, there's a lot going on in our world, man. And a lot of it, you know, comes back right here to the energy table. Um, and, and, and so in, in, in less than a few years time, we've gone from having a goal of energy independence to achieving it, to almost being cancel cultured by the environmental left, to now having the White House and and other entities coming to rethink the approach. Uh, Dave, uh, uh, talk about it. I mean, you know, why do we need to get back on track, man? Oh, definitely need to get back on track. But it's it's rather unfortunate that it's taking a real tragedy sure. in Europe that's driving the discussion. Uh, Jim and I were talking before we, we sat down here, and, and the fact is we've been talking in this industry and the trades as well in partnership, talking about energy security since day one. It's something that's eluded this company or this country for generations. We finally get it. 
homegrown energy, energy that's developed under the most stringent regulations, it's time to rethink it. Um, Again, unfortunately, the situation in in Europe has many countries, especially over there, understanding the relationship between national security and energy security. And we are in a position here to help our allies. And it's time to step up and help our allies, help them escape the grip of Russia, who is using, using energy as a lever, and honestly, look, we've got countries in Europe who are buying that Russian energy, financing the war effort. So we need to put a stop to that. Yeah, it's and no we need lo- to work together to do that. And we've said it on the show, Joe Krause, uh, it's no longer a hypothetical. It's not just a conversation, what if. We're watching uh, you know, what's going on in the world right now uh, with that Ukraine and, with, and what Russia's doing. We need to be able to uh, you know, stake our, our, our um, control in this game and not give it up. And, and you know, we've talked about it, all of us at this table, we've talked about it many times. What if, right? Now, unfortunately, it's it, what we have in front of us, what's going on in Europe, here it is. You know, and don't want to say I told you so, but this was always something that we were always worried about. You know, uh, Russia as such a leader, energy speaking, you know. and But it's definitely... Uh, uh, gotten people's attention, especially in the beginning of this, this Ukrainian war, people started finding out that, well, wow, Russia really is a power player when it comes to energy. They're bringing 600, 650,000 barrels a day to the United States. How, what, how is that possible? Incredible. Right. So, so, you know, that, that was out there. And then there are stories of, you know, uh, Russia bringing gas, uh, bringing tankers into the Boston Harbor just a couple of years ago. Like, this is mind-blowing. We've all known this. You know, we've talked about it. But the general public has found out about it. And they said, wait a minute. And, and it, something's not right here. Of course. Like you said earlier, we always screamed about energy independence. We became dependent. I mean, we have our independence. And, and now, that was just a couple of years ago. And now here we are shooting ourselves in the foot and the world needs us. Exactly. And, and like Dave said, our allies over in Europe, I believe just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Russia decided they're going to shut the valve off to Poland and Bulgaria. And I think that's probably just the start, you know, and imagine that, you know, you're, they're shutting off gas. So so now who do they rely on our allies? we're, We're the world power, right? What are we doing? Exactly. Right. We, we shot ourselves in the foot, right. and now we're playing catch-up. But having said that, let's, let's talk about the magnitude of, of, of Marcellus Shell and, and what you're sitting on there, and, what, and, and, and we talk about the strength of the play in Appalachia. Talk about the resources there in, in, you know, so people can comprehend what the potential is. Sure. Um, last year, Apple, uh, Pennsylvania produced, uh, I believe it was 7.4, 7.6 trillion cubic feet of gas. What does that mean? That's enough to supply uh, 114 million homes with gas for a year nationwide. I mean, that's an incredible amount. And when you combine us with our neighbors in Ohio and West Virginia, because the, the Marcellus, the Utica underlays all, all those states, the Appalachian region is the number one producer of natural gas in the country and the number three producer in the entire world. And, you know, what do you get with that natural gas? You need pipelines to support that. And that's where our friends in the construction trades come in as well. Uh, It's the infrastructure that's leading the way as well. This play is prolific. There's more that can be done to support its development. We need 
clear thinking, straightforward policies at both the state and the federal levels to put a premium on the development and transportation of this great resource and get it to the markets where, where it's needed. Are they doing that now? Are they, are they close to doing that, Dave? What's your sentiment? What's your feeling about that? Um, we, need, I, we need more to be done. You know, for every announcement that we're going to support Europe with, with more natural gas, we see more policy uncertainty and regulatory uncertainty at the federal level that could hinder that. Um, we need clear thinking all the way through the process. You know, energy policy has to look at access, price, reliability, uh, resiliency, and who you're getting it from, plus the environmental attributes. Not just one of those facets. We have to look at all of that. And I think natural gas hits the mark in every single one of those. And it's a common sense strategy to move forward with it. Uh, Jimmy, talk about that article you sent me last week. Uh, And what's a Forbes article uh, in the mainstream media, things are starting to um, loosen up, uh, you know, in in areas that you haven't seen in a while. And now you're starting to see major articles in regards to the Philadelphia port where we're dormant and yet in Ukraine is, is, is in massive need. Talk about that. Right. So, so, you know, we've been talking for quite a while, just how dormant, how quiet uh, the Philadelphia region's been, more specifically up and down the Delaware River when it comes to any kind of energy projects, you know. Um, uh, and, and we're not the only ones that have noticed that. Like you just said, Joe, Forbes magazine just put out an article. Um, I think it said something to the effect. Well, let me just say it. It says... As, as the Ukraine fights for its life, Philadelphia remains dormant. Right. And, and, and you know, uh, thankfully, thankfully, uh, State Representative Martina White right. does not want to see it dormant anymore. Right. So she's trying to put together an, an LNG task force. OK, to, to, to let's how can we create? You know, major energy projects, such as an uh, LNG project on the Delaware River. Um, you know, uh, and like you said, there's there's been things, there's been talk behind the scenes going on of late. There's been more talk in the last six months of possibilities along the Delaware River uh, than there have been in the last six years, okay? It's about time, okay? Um, back to, you know, our, our friends in Europe yeah. helping them. Um if we had an LNG facility, sure, okay, liquid natural gas, liquid natural gas, okay, right in that port, that Philadelphia port right there, okay, down in that Marcus Hook area, it's it's such a valuable port. If you compare that port to say the Gulf Coast, if you had an LNG plant in, in the Philadelphia port here, it would reach Europe a third at a time quicker than compared to the Gulf Coast, okay. Um, and, and people are now recognizing that and, and seeing that, um, you know, it, it's about getting off our hands, enough of enough listening to the, the, the wacky left. OK, I'm sorry. That's what it is. It is what this it is. is. The world has changed. OK. And if we weren't listening to, to the wacky left a few years ago, we'd already had an LNG facility built along that river. But here we are almost playing catch up. But it has to be done. And it's got to be done now. And, and we need people to stand up and, and start speaking loud and, and saying what we need. We need to get going with our energy. Absolutely. And we've seen acceptance of that. I mean, we've seen some nationwide polling. Most recently, I believe it was a Pew poll that showed last week 61% yeah. said they support 
large increases in the amount of uh, natural gas exported to Europe. That cut across party lines. A majority of Democrats said they supported it. A majority of Republicans said they support it. I think the word is getting out there, but we can't be complacent. Dave Callahan is our special guest here. Uh, he is the president of Marcellus, the Marcellus Shale Coalition. Jimmy Snell from Steamfitters Local uh, 420 joining us here in the opening uh, segment and our opening conversation of the Labor and Energy Show. We thank all of our uh, listening audience for tuning in. And I hope the audience, as I say this every week, Jay Doc, I really do hope that our listeners, who are like me, they don't understand they don't know when they hear you say we need to get it done we could have gotten it done two years ago they don't know what that means and part of this process is to educate uh the listening audience uh, about that um and within the context of that dave what needs to happen based on what jimmy said based on what you're on your last statement how do we get forward how do we push that narrative forward and make it a reality well let me let me go back to one issue and that is about sharing ideas with the public. Number one, this show is a, is a perfect example of that. And again, I commend you for the outreach that you have and how many people you can reach. Folks can look at our website, marcelluscoalition.org. We've got fact sheets up there on the issues, operational, environmental. We have ongoing news releases and blog posts where people can see hot items of the day. One of the latest things that we posted there was any number of corporate executives. They just went through earnings season. How many different corporate executives from um, um, upstream companies, midstream companies said one thing that is needed to move this country forward? Infrastructure. We need pipes in the ground to, to feed those LNG facilities, both existing and proposed. But we need those pipes in the ground to also serve our domestic customers. Look, we can't get a pipe in the ground to go across New York State to get up into New England when their prices earlier this summer were fantastically high. Uh, we need the common sense approach to get that done. So that means FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, the Department of Energy working together, the president himself and, and the White House working together. Look, the pieces are all there. We need to put them all together now. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I just wonder how much, um, you know, the environmental left takes advantage of the opportunity that people, like Joe Krause said, just don't understand. And it, it, and it, it's, it's foreign to everybody. And all they keep hearing is emissions, 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 and, 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 and what's going on with the polar ice caps and stuff like that. And the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, people are not educated on exactly how things are done and, and uh, what we need to do to get them done. I mean, look, I, and I understand that. So let's, let's just put it in the context here. All right. You have war going on in the Ukraine. They want to shut off. Uh, Russia is going to shut off gas to Poland and Bulgaria. Okay. I mean, no gas. All right. Wintertime. That means no heat. People being cold or, 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 you know, I mean, this, this is, people will suffer from this. No okay? doubt, Jim, but you know what's interesting? Yeah. People, like, like, like the facts, what, like what we've been doing on the show. Last week we had John Hours on. Uh, John is a, uh, a, a physicist uh, or an educator and, uh, you know, from Northwestern University. And you're sitting there and I'm sitting there going, what am I doing on this conversation? I'll tell you what I'm doing on the conversation. I'm listening to somebody educate us on what, how much destruction it takes the earth to get the chem, the, the chemicals to dig for a, a battery, an electric battery and, yeah. and, and the destruction that it's, that, that it's, that it's going to take in order to build the, you know, the electrical vehicles. Yeah. Well, what, 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 what's happening is people, 
don't understand this. They they look at the energy execs and they think everybody's a rich billionaire and that you have uh, a vested interest in saying what you're saying, but they don't understand. Regular people don't understand. That's why I think it's important for the people to educate the people. And when we talk energy... Don't forget the you know we're we're in that renewable world as well. Yes, we talk hydrogen, we talk carbon capture, right? Yep. These are projects that we need in, in this this uh, section of the state down in the southeast along that port. All right, we're putting together a hydrogen hub. Uh, there, there's a hydrogen hub committee that's going on quietly right now, and we're going. You know, there's proposals being put forth. We need to utilize this hub. Absolutely. This is the Labor and Energy Show. We'll continue our conversation with David Callahan and Jimmy Snell after the break. Back in a moment. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know experts agree that a technology called carbon capture and storage, or CCS, will be crucial to mitigating the risks of climate change? Did you know? First chartered in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, business manager. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, business manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. And welcome back, everyone, to the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. As we broadcast to you another weekend in the books, J-Doc, um, I love to make sure that I reference to uh, the listening audience going into the break and then coming out of the break. Did you know, our second map, did you know, you talk about education, we will continue to educate uh, the public every single week. Did you know, listen, coming up in the next break. Absolutely. Did you know that uh, fossil fuels are uh, among in, in 6,000 products that we use on a daily basis, including many renewables? I don't, probably not. Okay, it, you know, including our hand sanitizer and all those things. And that's the great, those are the great facts that people are going to be educated on uh, in layman's terms. So, uh, Dave Callahan, uh, does your organization feel like the, the, the public may be waking up to the realities of our energy needs and uh, that we need natural gas for those needs? I, I certainly believe so. Again, I, I cited the, the recent polling from Pew that shows that there's great support for increasing exports to Europe. But let's be clear. I mean, we were talking about environmental issues and energy issues. They are combined. It's not a choice. And I think natural gas, again, hits all the points in terms of the environmental profile, the accessibility and everything else. I already noted specifically in Pennsylvania, we've got the most stringent regulations in the whole country for the development and transportation of this resource. So if you're a European customer, a European country that's very concerned about the environment, why not choose a product that you know came from an environment with the most stringent regulations? And not only that, we all know how clean burning it is. We all know how it's impacted emissions in this country. You know, thanks to increased use of natural gas, we've dropped CO2 emissions from the power generation sector by 40% since 2005. It's the best tool 
the world has, not just America, the world has to lower CO2 emissions. We should be using more of it, producing more of it, and transporting more of it. You guys face, you know, uh, you know a, a lot of pushback. Um, one of the things we talk about with our workers is uh, the fact that, you know, we, you know safety is a big deal, but, you know, also um, the efficiency in, 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 in um, you know, the environment and being able to do it better than they can do it overseas. Why don't we, why aren't there pushbacks at the ports for, 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 you know, entities coming into the United States, bringing their products here, yet we're doing everything we can to shut ourselves down. Do people really understand any facts at all? Uh, You know, and, and, and the fact that we can do it safer, more environmentally friendly, and that we're committed to that process. You know, uh, I can't, recite the exact numbers, but that same poll that I keep going back to showed that the vast majority of Americans didn't realize that we were energy secure. So we need to do a lot more on education. And again, I'm going to keep going back to it. This show is a great effort to do that. And those who do understand the issues, those who do have an inkling, who are listening to this show, who picked up a piece of information or two, contact your legislators at both the state and the federal level just tell them who you are and what you do for a living and why you support it. Yeah. I, I, and Jimmy, let me ask you this, and I don't know what the numbers are, but I know that when J-Doc had mentioned the refinery in South Philadelphia and when that refinery closed, the magnitude of the money, of the tax base, of the vendors and the businesses that were supported by the number of people that work there um, is staggering to me every time I drive by that facility and I go over the Platte Bridge and I look to my right, I say, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Yeah, um, I, I don't know the exact numbers, Joe, but, I mean, it's, you know, it got to be in the hundreds of millions of dollars, you know. Uh, look, we one thing I do know, just unfortunately, you know, we went through a closing of a refinery. So um, I do know, I believe it's Penn and University of Texas, to name a few. They've done studies uh, that show, you know, for every refinery job that is lost, there's about 15 or 16 other ancillary jobs. What's that mean? And we've talked about it on this show. That means the, the, the little deli around the corner where you buy your hoagies from or, or the bakery down the street or the guy at the gas station, you know, they're all going to suffer, you know, and, and that's what happens. It, and, you know, it just seemed <clears throat> I don't want to I don't want to go backwards, you know, but it just seemed when that refinery closed, it, it, a lot of people just I don't, don't want to I don't know if they really cared. They just want to they wanted to see that place close. Bottom line. I only bring it up so yeah. people could start to visualize the potential reality if we don't change oh, yeah. the, if we don't change the well, you, what's you, in front of us. Yeah. Hey, what's in front yeah. of us? If this doesn't happen or we can't make this happen, it's an inevitable reality that I don't think will be good. And, and look, and, and not to cut in on you, uh, J Doc, but you know we saw that happen at, at the PES refinery in South Philly. Now you, you go, you know, next county over in Delaware County, Trainer, Delaware County, where the Monroe Energy Refinery is, okay? There's, there's talk of that place, you know, suffering. And, and we've, we've talked about it many times here, the RINs issue. So we've already seen it close. We already saw one refinery close in the region and thousands upon thousands of jobs gone, 
okay? And, and to your point, you know, uh, money's gone, tax base gone. We, will, we do not want to see that happen again. And we're fighting tooth and nail with the administration, the EPA, and, and uh, Department of Labor, whoever will, will listen to us, why this RINs issue, you know, needs to be changed, you know, uh, needs to be fixed. Uh, just so we can have a, a, a manufacturing plant like Monroe Energy, okay, uh, continue to thrive, continue to support the neighborhood, support families, and, you know, that's, uh, we've seen it once, we don't want to see it again for sure. Yeah, I kind of term that, that, that the, uh, you know, Energy cancel culture, okay? I, I fear, remember we had uh, Congressman Norcross on the program, and, and we were talking about RINs and the RFS, and when I asked him directly, I, I said, uh, uh, Congressman, what, 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 what are your uh, colleagues in Congress, uh, you know, what, what, what's their approach here? You know, we have, he's really concerned, obviously, he's, uh, you know, about national security issues on the committee, for crying out loud. And he said, they don't understand. I don't think they really understand. And which is amazing to me, because when we talked about the PES refinery in South Philly, uh, one of the things we, a lot of people were talking about were people coming in from out of state, they didn't even live in the area. There was no real in, environmental. Uh, can, everybody was really, uh, uh, you know, ultra, ultra on top of that. The neighbors were not complaining. Um, and so we had people coming in telling neighbors what was going on. You know, uh, they, they, they didn't understand. The people that were explaining that didn't understand. The politicians don't understand. And it just makes me wonder, uh, you know, if this is just like, if a bunch of people who really don't know what the hell's going on are making decisions that are obviously not in our best interest, and what and we and I appreciate it, Dave. What we're trying to do with that with, with this show is speak to regular people and educate regular people. But what do we have to do to actually get the politicians to actually understand what's going on and 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 how they don't help us shoot ourselves in the foot? Well, I think part of it begins right here with the relationship between the energy industry and labor right. and perhaps bring in others as well and jointly approach policymakers. You know, Absolutely. when you're talking about members of Congress, maybe they only think of the world in two year increments when they're up for election and get elected. We want to show them the long term perspective. This is about environmental performance. It's about family sustaining jobs. It's about American energy security. I can't go back to that enough. This is something that we've been trying to do in this country for, for as long as I can remember. Look, we went through the oil shocks in the 70s. Our country was brought to its knees in the 70s by two different oil shocks. We have the opportunity now to avoid those situations from now going forward. It's time that we continue to capitalize on this great energy resource. What, what are you sensing from the White House, Dave? <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> there's a lot question. going on. I mean, a, again, you know, you know they, they've done the absolute right thing in saying that we're going to support Europe with more exports. Energy Information Administration says we're going to bump up exports to like, 12 billion cubic feet a day. That's, that's significant. That's, that's, you know, head and shoulders above where we were. But again, we need the policies to back that up to ensure that that gas can be produced and transported to get to those LNG facilities and to get to those markets in Europe and Asia. And again, as, as Jim mentioned, to, in this country, displace Russian gas that found its way into Boston Harbor. So here we are talking about, you know, our friends in Europe once again. I'm even, I'm going to dial it back. I'm going to bring it home here in Philadelphia. There's, there are groups that want to electrify the city, do away with gas, 
Okay. What's their plan with, uh, you know, after we're, 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 you know, the windmills aren't, you know, kind of. <laughs> I, I don't know if they have a plan. That's okay? what I'm saying. They're, they're what, what, uh, what, rhetoric. Yeah, it's, it's rhetoric. That's what it is. When you question a lot of these people, they, they don't have the answers. Okay. They just want to see it gone. All right. Well, that's, that's not good. That's see, we talk about cheap natural gas. You know, we have, we have some, some, uh, you know, very, uh, poor areas in the region and they rely on this cheap natural gas. If you were to electrify, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the communities around here, I mean, that that's expensive, you know, it, it really is. And, and that's why we're pushing to keep, keep the gas going in the city but there are forces that are pushing back you know so jim jimmy why and david hold your thought for just a moment i just have to i have to ask this why does that narrative get the headline well, nobody else is talking that's number one and you know like in other words I mean, why is that even a reality well like why are we even talking about electrifying the city that's not reality why are we even talking about that well, I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's just justifying certain people's jobs. I mean, you have a new, uh, a newer uh, energy group here, and uh, that's that's their job. You know, it's a sustainability group, and you know how how can they make the world, the city, I should say, a, a cleaner place? This these are things they talk about. Yeah, Dave. I well, I was just going to say it's it's seeing the world through one particular lens and not looking at again, as I mentioned earlier, all the different facets involved in energy. It's not just the environmental performance that is important, but it's also access, reliability, price. You know where you source this product. You know, Jim mentioned another point earlier about hydrogen and carbon capture. You know, those are possible options down the road. There's literally billions of dollars, federal dollars, at play here that can support. Uh, the commercialization of these of these different options, and it presents an opportunity for our country to remain energy secure by utilizing these things and clean at the same time. But it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not something that's going to happen if you just say no more natural gas hookups and we're going to get there. We have to take a, a common sense, stepwise fashion to examine what it takes to get us from point A to point B and not just jumping there prematurely. Let me ask you to do one last thing, and then, J-Doc, I'll turn the program back over to you because I know you've got to get a certain amount of airtime on each hourly program. <laughs> um, one last thought, a perception and reality uh, scenario. You are the president of the Marcella Shale Coalition. Perception, reality. When the public hears Marcellus Shale, what do they think? What should they know? Depends on where they're located. If they're in an area where um, gas is being produced or transported, they see it as a, as, a, as a major economic driver. They see it as an opportunity for young students and others to stay at home is stay in their home communities and not move away to another state, another region. And if they're involved with the, with the trades, they see it as a, as a great opportunity as well. The farther away, uh, impressions tend to change. And that's because, you know, to get to your point, um, folks don't realize all the products that are made in our daily lives, life-sustaining life projects uh, or products, things that make our modern lives possible. They expect the lights to come on when they flip the switch. They expect their home or their business to be warm in the winter, cool in the summer. 
there's, there's a lot of education that we need to do, but there's a lot of introspection that needs to go on on behalf of folks who are advocating for policies that aren't in keeping with where we need to be as a country on an energy policy. But a lot of it is, again, look around you. Look around you at all the products that are made from hydrocarbons. It's, it's here. It's a part of our lives. It's a part of every electric vehicle. It's a part of uh, windmills. It's a part of solar panels everywhere. You know, you, you wake up one day and they demonize the entire industry. And uh, in a lot of ways, regular folks like us are just going to work every day, coming back, and you hear this and you hear that and you don't hear anything else coming from, from, from um, you know, working people. And organized labor is the voice of working people. Okay. One of my goals and I, and what I love about, you know, when, 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 when you have the pipe trades, uh, you know, getting involved in the coalition and, you know, what the show's trying to accomplish is that we want to be a voice for our people. Okay. Uh, it, it, it gives us that opportunity to be able to stand up for those people who can't stand up for themselves. I care about the environment. You know what I mean? We all do. Uh, but we can't, sorry about this, Joe Krauss throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay. He just gets mad every time I say, <laughs> um, but the point is, but it's true. Uh, but you know, and, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that, um, we need to be able to stand up for ourselves and not have an us against them, uh, situation going. We've, I've, John Bland has said it from the, the, the borough makers. When did, when did it become us against them? Aren't we all in this together? Dave, Dave, the environment, and the solutions like carbon captured that, you know, we're shutting off, off all kinds of paths for ourselves. Uh, how committed are you and the organizations that comprise the, the, the coalition to, to, to doing everything possible to impact the environment as little as possible, but in a, as positive way as possible and working on new technologies that allow us to have our cake and eat it too? There's, there's a lot to unpack there, but you, could, you see... Uh, seemingly day by day, week by week, more companies, especially those who are publicly public traded, those who have more of a public facing front, um, who are working with third party organizations who analyze their environmental data and uh, uh, measure it first, pardon me, then analyze it and then report on it. And those companies are then being labeled as being in the natural gas that they produce is being labeled as responsibly produced, responsibly transported. We all, again, I'm going to go back to the regulations. We all know we're working under world-class regulations. And now they're seeing third parties coming out to these facilities and saying, every molecule of gas or a set number of molecules of gas that you're producing is done responsibly. We have already known that. That's just a reflection of corporate culture. But it shows the environmental commitment. And it shows you know, to the public, to customers and others, the environmental stature of this of this industry. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because when we talk about overseas and, and in China and you almost feel like you're in the twilight zone a little bit, obviously, because you can't you can't um, obviously oversee their regulations or lack thereof. And you look around and things just don't make sense. Uh, one of the goals is, you know, here is to try to change the narrative. Okay, to really just in a common sense way, man, 
like, you know, not be beat up by a cancel culture type situation that allows us to shoot ourselves in the foot. How long is it going to take us to get back on track? We've already shut ourselves down in so many different ways. And now we're under the gun with everything going on in, in the Ukraine. Um, how, how long is it going to take us to get back on track so we can actually help our friends in a, in a, in a more efficient way? It's not a matter of saying it'll take X amount of days, weeks, months, years. It's about what, we, what can we do today? Every day we delay is another day that Europe is under the gun, literally under the gun with Russian energy. Every day that we don't take action, it's another opportunity to import uh, foreign natural gas in, into Boston Harbor. You know, I'm, I'm going to, when we were sitting out here waiting in, in the lobby, I took a look at uh, one of the magazines out there and there was a message from Jim and I'm, I might not get it right, but one of your messages to your members, to your union members saying, I believe we're up to the challenge. I know we're up to the challenge. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this partnership right here, Marcel Shell Coalition, Pennsylvania Pipe Trades, yeah, I mean, we, we're certainly up to the challenge. We like challenges around here, right? We do. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's up to us, to, and, and I think we're, we're doing a good job of it, but, you know, we just got to keep pushing. But it's up to us to, to open up the eyes of a lot of our friends on the far left and our political friends and, and – which we're doing, and, you know, get them to see that we need to utilize this port, this Philadelphia port, to, well, not, you know, help not only our friends in Europe, but become, you know, energy independent again. Yeah, we're, and Joe, we're going into the third segment, right? We're going to talk about that, um, you know, in regards to, you know, we talk about the regions and what Mar- Mar- Marcella Shell is, uh, but, you know, how that, you know, in a way trickles, its, it, it, you know, itself to Philadelphia and how it benefits everything. We'll get into jobs. We'll bring uh, George Pegram in and talk about, the you know, the, the election we got coming up in the fall and the fact that the matter is, is that, um, you, you know, Dave, you, there, we, we, you talk about politics, you know, our political leaders, a lot of them, a lot of them need support. They're so used to getting beat up too by the, you know, when, when, when PES, when that stuff hit the fan, I remember Joe Krause and I were sitting there going, where is everybody? Like, in other words, 30, 30, I remember the show it was you, uh, uh, John Bland, I, and, and a number of our, I think Johnny Doc, and we're all on there and I'm going, why are we not having, even our friends at City Hall or, or everybody's, it's crickets everywhere. And that's because those that making the most noise were the environmental left. We're just starting to bang our drum right here to see that, that, you know, that this just doesn't make sense. So supporting our political leaders and giving them, you know, the, 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 you know, the backing to go against those people that have been in their face. How do we do that, Jim, from our side of the table? Well, I can tell you just recently, as of a week or so ago, I happened to be at a, a lunch meeting with some, some key uh, business leaders in the city. And they want to see change when it comes to energy. Okay. They want to see that Philadelphia port, that Delaware River. They want to see it utilized, okay? And we talk about LNG, uh, greenest LNG on the face of the earth, possibility of being built along that river. Talk about hydrogen hub, you know, bring more gas, you know, from the, uh, the shale regions down to this end of the state. And, you know, we can kick and scream, and we, I believe, you know, uh, the building trades hold a lot of drag in this area, okay? But it's also a great thing when business leaders, prominent business leaders, you know, start start voicing their opinions. This is the Labor and Energy Show. J. Doc and Krause. We'll get to a commercial break. Back in a moment. 
Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know there are 6,000 products made from petroleum that we use every day? Products like candles, trash bags, fishing rods, shower curtains, paint, umbrellas, tennis rackets, and another 5,993. Did you know? What's a Boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show with Jadoc and Krause. Special thanks to Jim Snell from Steamfitters Local 420 uh, for joining us for the opening two segments. We roll along, Jadoc. David Callahan, president of Marcellus Shale Coalition, uh, is with us. Great to have uh, Dave uh, on the show for the full hour today. Yeah, and I'm also ecstatic to bring in George Pegram, uh, business manager, Plumbers Local 690. How are you, George? Good, Joe. How are you, my friend? I'm fantastic. Uh, you know, we... We have a, an important election coming up in the fall, okay? And one of the things that we're talking about here is impacting, you know, uh, our, our, our energy uh, initiative and, 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 and what's on the line, and there's so much on the line. Uh, but what we do here really well, especially in Philadelphia um, at the building trades level, is we engage and, and we mobilize and we support those who support us. And uh, the energy issue has come to the forefront over the last uh, several years, uh, especially since what's going on at, at what happened at PES. But talk about, uh, you know, the, 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 the importance of, of mobilizing and educating our members and supporting those po- political leaders who support us. Yeah, Joe, you said it good a little while ago, too. The far left is, in my world, is, is just as bad as the far right. We need the, middle, we need the middle politician. We need the politician that can see the trees through the forest, that knows we need energy. I'm going to go back just for a second. I hope I don't ramble, Joe. I know you're in a hurry. But it's not hard to see that we need fossil fuel. It's just ridiculous to say that we don't. Everything that we have is based on that. Most of the things we use are based on fossil fuels. We can either make it here or we can make it over in a third world country where there is no restrictions and we can ship it in here and we can buy it from them or we can make it here, have good union paying jobs, have people make a living, have people retire with dignity or we can go back and go back to the 70s and not have the energy that we need. It's not a hard choice to make. It really isn't. I applaud Jimmy. Jimmy works tirelessly at getting his members work. I don't get too much work out of that world, but I get the subsidiary work. When they close that plant down, they're not going to develop around there no more and build buildings that my guys are going to go in and put the plumbing in. That's what I'm about. I'm about union jobs in our area. And the more work that Jimmy and Dave can bring to the Philadelphia region, the more work my members are going to get out of it. You want to talk politics? Let's talk about it. This far left... They, they beat the drum louder than we do. Yeah. That's all it is. We need to do a better job, and Dave and Jimmy work as hard as they can. We need to do a better job marketing so that the politicians can see our issues. The politicians, 
The far left listens to the far left. The middle guy now is starting to sway to the far left because they're beating the drum louder. Absolutely. We need the middle guy to beat the drum louder than anybody else so that we can stand up and say, this is our guy. We're not listening to them over there. We don't need them. Let them run on their hug a tree and, you know, save a bird or a turtle. We need the guys that are and girls, politicians that are in the middle that are going to vote for our issues, and we got to come out and support them at 100%. We can't vary from that. We can't say, oh, well, this one's good for us in this area. This one's good there. We need the guy and, or the girl that's right down the middle that's going to vote for our issues, and that's who we need to support. And we need to be unified in it, too. Absolutely. Dave? <laughs> How do I top that? Uh, well, uh, that's How what you call a mic dropper yeah, right there. exactly. That's I, a mic dropper. You can't top that. All we can do as an industry is share information with folks and make sure you, our allies, legislators and others, those who are seeking office, have the best information available, the most fact-based information available. Sometimes the facts get lost. Again, going back to all the products that are made, uh, the, 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 the environmental impact and how natural gas is the sharpest tool that we have to solve climate change, if you're worried about that, we need to get back to the facts. And, and as George said, we don't want to go back to the 70s. You want to go back to yeah, reading your license plate to determine what day you can buy gas and only get $10 worth. Well, then again, $10 worth today might yeah. get you yeah, two yeah, gallons. Yeah, exactly. If again, that. we need to reach everybody that we could possibly reach, and this is an excellent avenue to do so. Folks can also look you know, on social media and elsewhere at the Marcella Shale Coalition Learn more about the industry. Learn more about not just the industry, but what's at stake. And George, is it feasible to think that the union community can put enough pressure on those in political office to realize the statement that you just made? Because I know that when it's election time, they want the union community in their corner. When, it, when stuff hits the fan, I'm not so sure they're standing there. They're never standing there when the stuff hits the fan. Let's be honest. I mean, there's some, not all of them, some are going to have our back 100% of the time. And me and Jimmy, we do a pretty good job of looking into that to see who that is. But there's some that just, they're fair-weather friends. We have a saying, and I don't know if this is the right avenue to say it, building trades friendly. Unions, because there's some politicians that do not look out for the building trades unions. Most of them are far left. Um, the ones that aren't with us are far left. As unions, we need to educate our members, and I got to do a better job. And there's no doubt about it. I get up on the floor to a microphone every month, and I try to put... I have a philosophy, and this is just my philosophy. You can edit this if you want. I don't care about social issues when I'm on the podium of my membership. I care. I don't. I, I don't tell people how to believe about social issues. I don't tell them how to believe about their religious issues. I believe about giving my members the best candidate to vote for, to who, is go, who I believe is going to put jobs, put food on the table for our members. I think each union needs to get away from the social act of it and put the, their best foot forward and get the members, get the politicians elected that are going to serve their membership. And that's up to the unions to do that. Well, let me say this. That was the first thing that John Doherty said the day we opened up on Talk Radio 1210. In other words, you're a labor leader. You're getting paid. Your job is to procure, uh, you know, work for your members at Working Standards. Okay, listen, 
uh, social issues and a lot of those things, if they're important to somebody, fantastic. But we're a labor movement and we care about jobs and working standards for uh, working families. At the end of the day, um, this is a very interesting issue, the, the, you know, the, the, the energy issue, because so many people, you know, ha, ha, you know we, we all have skin in the game. We, we're all impacted by it, okay? Uh, but labor itself, you know, we, we have a big, we have a lot of skin in this game because we have a lot of workers in, in, in this particular industry. I am in, a, in complete agreement with educating our members on these issues and impacted them so that when we vote for politicians, we understand who's actually, who said it, Rick Bloomingdale, we're not a political party. We support those who support us. And in the energy initiative right here, if we don't jump in, we're going to be buying our, our, our natural resources from China and, and, and we'll be standing there again worse than we are right now. Yeah, listen, our members, when you educate a member, you're not just educating the member. You're educating their family. Exactly. We call it kitchen table unionism. You know, you, get, you learn unionism most of the time growing up at the kitchen table when your mother or father came home from work, of a hard day's work, you watched them come home tired. You watched them get up 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, put their boots on to go out to go to work. You learn the integrity of what it was like to be a union member. Now, when you talk about the stuff at the union hall, that stuff, that goes home. And now you're educating kids, you're educating the future. Your kids, my kids are grown. They have... You know, a good click of group, a good 15, 20 people that they hang with. Our kids talk to them kids. That's where they, that's how it spreads. It's education through Absolutely. not even propaganda, just uh, wherewithal. But, but, Natural dissemination. Yes. I mean, my members have heard Dave me say. Dave get the man. Yeah, no, 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 no. I can't use that I can't word. top you. Uh, but my members have heard me say it countless times. You know, the way to change hearts and minds and open up their eyes to what's at stake here in this country and what we need in this country is, again, educate our own members, educate ourselves. But then again, going out to the ball fields, the church, uh, you know, the church parking lot, because you don't want to lobby in church. Talking in the church parking lot or or in the grocery store, talk to your friends and neighbors. Talk to them about the role that you play in the industry and what you see going on and what you think is necessary to move this country forward. To hear it from real people doing real work, that's how we get the word out there. George Pegram, thank you so much, man, for being a part of the Labor and Energy Show. Good stuff. That was a great eight minutes. Well done uh, by you. Appreciate you jumping on. David Callahan, Marcellus Shale Coalition, the president there. Uh, 60 seconds until we say goodbye. David, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, and I know you didn't expect to be asked this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. We're uh, part of the Labor and Energy Show movement is a a gathering and a coalition that we're going to put together where we're going to bring the most influential union leaders and business leaders and politicians uh, all collectively together. Uh, we hope to have 50 to 75 to JDOC is saying we can get 100 people together um, to have dialogue and create the message. I would love for you to be sitting at the head table uh, helping us lead the charge. Well done by you today. I'll be anywhere in the audience, wherever you need the industry. We want to be a part of discussions about what the energy future looks like for this country. It's the Labor and Energy Summit that we're talking about. And we're talking about doing a big Zoom and we're talking about airing it, a two-hour special. We want to educate and create the dialogue between the labor leaders and the energy sector executives. And at the end of the day, take 
all of our interests and educate the general public uh, at the same time. Well done. Well stated. And David, thank you. We'll, thank we'll you. accept your willingness to be a part <laughs> of it. Thank you. That's David Callahan, the president of the Marcellus Shale Coalition. And of course, special thanks to Jimmy Snell for uh, being part of the kickoff from Steamfitters Local uh, 420. That's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show. On behalf of David, uh, on behalf of J-Doc, uh, on behalf of all of our listeners, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson before the upcoming midterm elections and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today.